Good Sunday morning or Saturday evening, depending on when you're watching this. Welcome to what I believe is our very last house church of 2020. Um, we'll be back in here uh, next Sunday. Super excited about that. Many of you will be home for Thanksgiving break, college students. But I want to just say one more time, a big thank you to all of our, our house church leaders who have hosted and led house church. Um, they have been the true heroes of this season. So I want to make sure that you welcome them, thank them, appreciate them for all the hard work they've put in. Uh, you don't know how much work it takes uh, to get their house ready or pre prepare, plan, organize the potlucks, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you thank your house church leader when you get the opportunity. But for now, we're going to head on in for worship.
Well, good morning, Fireplace Church, and or good evening, depending on what time you are watching this. I want to welcome you to what I believe may very well be the last house church of 2020. Um, man, we have had an amazing uh, time with house church. You know, it, obviously it was a, a response to, to the pandemic and, you know, we had to adjust the way we did things. But along with that response and the opportunity that that response provided, we have had such a good time in our house churches. I keep on hearing so many reports from the various house churches about how they have enjoyed uh, getting to know one another on a more personal basis. You know, that the smaller, more intimate group. Um, my, my kids have enjoyed uh, my house church coming over. Everyone who's a part of my house church. And I'm sure uh, the other kids would say the same. You know, we, we have had a great time just diving into life together, whether it was the uh, the chit-chat before a service or the deep probing questions after the message or, or however uh, we got to know each other. Maybe it was the fellowship meals after everything was over. We have uh, embraced the opportunity that this season provided for us, and I, I'm thankful for House Church. I want to, once again... Um, make a, a big, big shout out to all of our house church leaders. Those of you who provided uh, your home for others to come gather in, those of you who uh, administrated um, services, the, the house church leaders were the true heroes of this season, leading and, and helping and being there for me. Yeah, particularly those of you who are leading in your own house, uh, you guys who are coming and visiting their houses, you don't know how much work it was to get your house clean, get the kids dressed, be ready with coffee when you guys showed up. So make sure you give a big thank you. In fact, I can pause right now for a round of applause for your house church leader. All right, that's good right there. Um, thank them for, for what they have meant to you and meant to our ministry in this season. Um, so uh, I've got two important announcements on the tail of that uh, introduction there. This one, uh, next week, uh, as you heard me mention a little while ago, that this is potentially the last house church of 2020. Next week, although the majority of you guys are going to be out of town, you're going uh, home for Thanksgiving, uh, many of you staying home until about mid-January. Uh, so this announcement doesn't affect you quite as much as the rest of us who, who live here in Blacksburg year-round. But starting next week, we are going to gather again here in this location. Uh, I, as much as I have enjoyed House Church, as I mentioned a moment ago, I, I definitely miss gathering as one. I realize that there's some of you who are watching this. You've been a part of Fireplace Church for four or five months now, and you and I may have never met. And, and that's, that's a weird thing for me as a pastor. Like, there, there are people in these house churches that you've been attending, and, and you've bought in, and you, and you love Fireplace Church, and you love the people in your house church, and we have never gathered together in person. So I'm looking forward to meeting you, whether it's next week or next semester. Um, for those of you uh, who, who are new, once again, welcome. I'm Pastor Alvin. Uh, we are... So, so glad that you chose to connect with us during this time, you know, during this time of uh, house church. And like I said, next week we begin the transition back to in-person gatherings here 
at, at the church facility. Um, next Sunday will be our first one. We, uh, with, with the gathering, there, as many of you guys have probably heard by now, uh, the governor has released uh, a, a new um, mandate as, as it pertains to um, COVID protocol. And there's a special section in there just for churches. And uh, this Monday, me and my leadership team are meeting just to discuss the particulars of that mandate and how that best uh, uh, is implemented here in our facility and with our people. So we'll, we'll have more for that for you uh, next week. But it'll be uh, plain as day, marked, signage, communicated. Uh, be sure to watch your email because we'll be communicating with you this week about that. So uh, unless something else changes between now and then, the, the plan is to be here this next Sunday uh, and continue to do that until at least January. Uh, and then we'll, we'll reassess the situation at that point. So that's, that's big announcement number one. So we're, we're back to in-person gatherings uh, during the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas break there. Then the, the other big, big announcement uh, is sort of a pre-announcement. Um, we, we have been in the process of purchasing this facility. Uh, that has been my life for like the last month, working on various things pertaining to the loans. And uh, I'm excited to be able to tell you more about that in the, in the next week or so to come. Uh, but in addition to being able to tell you more about uh, the, the purchase of this building in the next couple of weeks. I'm also in the next couple of weeks going to be telling you more about our capital campaign, the REACH campaign, and how you can partner with us in securing this kingdom resource um, and, and making sure we, we can get into this building for as close to debt-free as possible so that we have the freedom to minister uh, the way God has called us to minister here in this community and to support missionaries abroad. So I'm going to uh, share all that with you more in the weeks to come. I just want to, to sort of drip before we drop, just kind of put that pre-announcement out there a little bit. So, um, man, uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, we're, we're, we're coming up on the season of Thanksgiving, right? Uh, so many people, they just skip over that one. They're, 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 they're straight to the Christmas songs. They've already got Christmas trees up. And, and that's fine and dandy if you want to do that. But please, please don't skip Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I know this sounds super unspiritual as a pastor to say that, you know, Easter or, or Christmas isn't my favorite holiday. But Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday. Uh, there's just something about the gathering and giving thanks. I, I also like the menu uh, of Thanksgiving. So many childhood memories, uh, the traveling to go see friends, um, you know, and then there's all the Friendsgivings that happen in between where friends gather on different days as opposed to family and stuff like that. So I, I really, really enjoy all of the festivities surrounding Thanksgiving. But the concept of Thanksgiving, although it wouldn't seem intrinsically spiritual uh, of a holiday because it's not Jesus' birthday or the celebration of Jesus' resurrection... The, the phrase thanksgiving or thankfulness or thanking, the, if you just did a quick little Bible gateway search of any derivative of the word thanks, you will find really quickly that being thankful, giving thanks to God, being thankful to one another is actually very much a part of our Christian life. Today in particular, I want to share with you a passage out of the book of Colossians chapter 3. We'll be starting at verse 15 and continuing through verse 17. Verse 15 says this, Let the peace of Christ, to which 
you were indeed called in one body to rule in your heart and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your heart to God. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Father, first of all, we, in the spirit of thanksgiving, we thank you for this verse. We thank you for this passage. We thank you for the Apostle Paul's message to the Colossians. And I, I today ask that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illuminate your scripture in our hearts. Speak to us today and show us what you have to say to us through these three verses. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So one of the things you may have noticed uh, with the prelude I gave this talking about Thanksgiving and then as I read those three verses, each of those three verses mentioned thankfulness in one form or another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through each verse one at a time and, and deal with them and unpack them a little bit for you today. All right, so first of all, verse 15, let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body rule in your heart and be th- thankful. Let's talk about the peace of Christ. Um, the, the peace of Christ, when, when we want to understand what that means to us in the here and now, what it means to, to walk in the peace of Christ. Yes, I'm sure there are godly examples in front of you of Christians who walk with his supernatural peace. And you can look to them and you can see a little bit of an example of what the peace of Christ means. Yes, I believe you could look at some other Bible characters like the Apostle Paul or, or some of the other apostles who were followers of Jesus and watching them walk through crazy moments with the peace of Christ. And we can see incredible example in them. But can I tell you, the most incredible example of the peace of Christ is... Christ. Uh, It is Christ himself. He is the one that, I mean, if I want to know what the peace of Christ looks like, yes, I can look at great contemporary examples. Yes, I can look at other biblical examples. But the most perfect picture of the peace of Christ is Christ himself. Let's look at Jesus and the way that, man, he was always at perfect peace. We we see him in the, the wilderness being tempted by Satan. 40 days without food, being tempted, he stays at peace through it all. In, in his challenge of his lordship, in the challenge of his beloved identity, he stays at peace. We, we watch him in, in a boat going across the sea. And, and all his other disciples, they, they, they're, they're awake because there's a storm outside and it's shaking them back and forth and they're afraid they're going to die. And he is at such a high level of peace that they have to go wake him up in the midst of a storm that these professional fishermen thought was about to take them out. That's peace. Now those circumstances uh, are, are interesting and intense in their own ways, but think about the peace of Christ we see exemplified in him throughout the crucifixion story. Whether it was him standing before before Herod or Pilate, whether it was him receiving accusations, whether it was him carrying his cross beam up the Via Della Rosa, whether it's him on the cross uttering words like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. Does that sound like a person who has lost their peace? 
That, that is a person who is well aware of what they're going through, well aware that the circumstances aren't perfect. Because you know what? We can see peace in somebody's life when things are when, when, when it's all uh, tulips and rainbows and puppy dogs and ice cream sandwiches. We, 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 can, we can see it when, when everything's going great and somebody's peaceful. Yeah, we can see an example of their peace then. But when, when it's hit the fan, when, when things are going sideways, when we don't know up from down and, and what's the next turn is going to be, that's when we really get to see where our level of peace is. It's one thing to have a peaceful uh, facade or, or, or wear your peace face during the good times. But what about in the crazy? And we can look at a lot of crazy times in Jesus, in Jesus Christ's life where he kept peace the whole time. And it says, let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body. I can tell you what's, what's awesome is... Man, when it says there that we are all called to peace in that phrase. If, if I was called into one body, the body of Christ, then therefore I am called to this peace that he was referring to. This, the peace of Christ isn't just for a certain personality or a certain gift set or a certain uh, few select people. The, the peace of Christ is something that is available to all of us as believers in Christ Jesus. And can I tell you, this message of peace, the, 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 the peace of Christ, has never been more relevant than today. With, with all that we've got going on in our world today, whether it's the pandemic or the political scene or people uh, in their job situations and the economy, whatever it is, there, there, there's been an all-time high spike in anxiety here in America today. And can I tell you, we, the message of the peace of Christ, the availability of the peace of Christ has never been a more relevant message than it is today. We are all called to his peace. But he goes on from that, says, let the peace of Christ to which you were all indeed called in one body, he says, let it rule in your heart. That phrase, rule in your heart, uh, is the, the Greek word that is used there is the same Greek word where you and I get the word umpire from, or, or referee, or umpire. So in, in sports, when you've got an umpire, the umpire knows the rules. It was interesting, I, when I was in grad school, I played in a flag football tournament, and I, I, I um, was talking to one of the umpires uh, in between games, and, and he, I asked him what he did for, for a living, he goes, I'm a lawyer. And, and he said, you know, uh, the, the number one day job of NFL referees is lawyer. I was like, why is that? He says, because we know the rules and we know how to mitigate and say this is against the rules and that, that's within the boundary of the rules. When he says right there, let the peace of God umpire or rule in your heart, the peace of God knows the rules. He knows that, that this circumstance is illegal. And this, and he's throwing the flag on that circumstance. That that has no place in the believer's heart. That that doesn't belong here. We're throwing the flag, and and you you get out of this believer's heart because the peace of God rules in this spot. How, how many times have we allowed something that that doesn't know the rules or is not obeying the rules to rule in our heart? Something other than the peace of God. But when we allow the peace of God, He knows the law of God. He knows the word of God. And when Christ's peace rules in my heart, all of a sudden He's throwing a flag anytime something is ruling in my life that is different than His peace. Come on, we we have to let the peace of God rule in our heart. And He goes on and says, "Let it rule in your heart." And be thankful. The rulership of his peace makes way for thankfulness. Come on, when, when I'm in my circumstances in life and, and all of a sudden something comes up and, and a storm in my life and a storm in my heart and, and, and all of a sudden the, the rulership of Christ, the lordship of Christ comes in and says, no, 
peace be still. All of a sudden, I, I have to be in this position of thankfulness. It's like, wow, if it wasn't for the peace of Christ in my life, that situation, that worry, that fear, that anxiety would have taken me out in this circumstance. It would have sent me into a downward spiral, a place I don't want to go. But now, all of a sudden, when I have allowed the rulership, the umpireship, the, 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 this uh, rule of the peace of Christ in my heart to be in control. Also, man, I am super thankful. I am thankful for Christ. I am thankful for his active work in, in my life. Now, you may be listening to that and you're like, Pastor Alvin, that sounds great. I, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I don't know whether I'm at a place where I'm allowing the peace of God to rule in my heart. Well, I got good news for you. The very next verse, the Apostle Paul gives us a clue as how to cultivate the peace of Christ. Verse 16 says this, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. First of all, when he's talking about thankfulness and letting the peace of God rule in your heart, he, he tells us right off the bat, we have to let the word of God richly dwell within us. In, in a moment when we get to question and answer time, I, I'm going to ask you the question about why the, that phrase richly uh, why that description of how the peace of Christ dwells in your part? What are the implications of that? What does that mean? But he tells us, let, let the word of Christ, let it, let it richly dwell within you. Meditate on it. Spend time with it. Let, let it get into you and who you are. But, but he goes on from there and says, with all wisdom teaching. So, so wisdom is different from knowledge, right? Uh, when we talk about uh, knowledge, knowledge has absolutely to do with what I know. Wisdom has to do with how I have practically applied what I know. If, if I know that gravity is real, um, that's my knowledge. Uh, wisdom would tell me not to do things that think that I could defy the law of gravity. Wisdom says, don't, don't step off the porch. Don't do this thing. You know, uh, wisdom is me practically applying what I know. So with, with the practical application uh, of, the, of the word of God, with, with not just knowing the word of God, but being able to apply, teach Release the word of God. So not, not only does he tell us to, to dwell richly, let his word dwell richly in us, but his word also it needs to be expressed through us. So it needs to be expressed through us in, in this manner here where he says, us, us teaching the word of God. And teaching the word of God isn't necessarily just like what I'm doing right now. You don't have to have a, a podium and a camera and a microphone or a position or a title or an audience. You can teach the Word of God, whether it's in a large audience or a small group of people. In a moment when you do question and answer, there can actually be a little bit of teaching that comes with your answer. Later on, man, when you're sitting at coffee with a friend and you're sharing with what you know, you're, if you're speaking to one of your children, there, there are multiple ways you can teach the Word of God. I can tell you, if, you, if you've ever uh, taken any classes on education, they'll tell you this. The highest form of learning is teaching. Because if I can... If I can ingest a concept to the point that I can do it, I sort of understand it. But if I can ingest a, a, a concept and then re-communicate that concept to the point that you can do it as well or you can understand it as well, then I have fully ingested it. I've broken it down. I've, I so grasped the concept that I can release it to you. If, if I let the Word of God dwell richly within me, now I can with wisdom teach it to others and release it. And here's what's powerful about that. Not only... 
does me teaching the word of God, and not only is that helpful to those that I teach it to, not only is it helpful to those that you teach it to, but me teaching the word of God is also that higher form of learning. I, I now have learned this place that I, I, I've, I've ingested it to the point that I, I can actually speak it back to others. But also, when I speak the word of God to someone else, it's not just beneficial to them, but it is also beneficial to me hearing myself teach it. Uh, we, we know that our mind is programmed by a familiar voice. In other words, the, the voices that you're most familiar with, when they say things and they repeat things, it helps program the way you think and feel and everything else. What voice is more familiar than, than your own? Your voice is the most familiar voice you have, whether it's your, your audible voice or your head voice. But as you begin to meditate, as you begin to speak the word of God, not only is it beneficial to those who hear you, but you are also helping yourself grow as you teach. But not only does the word of God dwell richly within us, not only do we release it through teaching, but also he has here in this verse about us releasing the word of God through song. Uh, it says, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, the, the, that expression there, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, for, for a lot of us, particularly when, when we hear the word hymns, uh, you, you immediately imagine a certain style of Christian music. Uh, music that was, you know, sort of of the era of the 17 and 1800s. And you know, those are hymns. They come in the hymnals. And, and we associate that. Well, can I tell you the Apostle Paul wrote this about 1700 years before that style of music was invented. So I don't want you to culturally filter what he is saying through what you know as hymns. What he is saying when he says hymns is not about something that's 1,700 years in the future to be invented. The word hymn in this instance where that style of music borrowed its name from, uh, that word hymn just means a previously written song. When it talks about psalms, uh, remember the book of psalms, those... uh, Whereas to you and I, those are scriptures. To the Hebrew people, those were, that was their worship handbook. They, they would actually open the book of Psalms. And at one point in time, there was music to all those Psalms. And so, so you've got scriptural songs where you're just, you're just singing straight scripture. You've got hymns where you're singing previously written songs. So, so that, that could, that absolutely refers to the, the hymnal book, but it also refers to the, the modern chorus that is on a screen or on a projector or, not on anything, but we just all have it memorized somehow or another. Uh, so, so we've got the scriptural songs. We've got songs that are previously written, the hymns, and then spiritual songs. That actually refers to the, the spontaneous song. That, 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 there's a word there that expresses it, it is sort of a, a pneumatic bubbling up, this, this a spontaneous song. Sometimes if you're live here with us during worship at Fireplace Church, all of a sudden you notice that the worship leaders might be singing something that's not on the screen over there. That's not because our screen guy is slacking on clicking the slides. That's because they, they have a spontaneous song that the Lord is releasing. So he says to, to admonish one another with, with the um, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're, we're letting the, God, oh, the word of God dwell richly within us. We're releasing his word both through teaching and through singing. And in that expression of singing, it says, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. When when we're worshiping, when we're singing, we're encouraging one another with hymns and spiritual songs and psalms. 
there's a, there's a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. A vertical relationship, singing thankfulness to God. There's a horizontal relationship that, that I am encouraging my brother and sister when I'm singing. Well, I hope I'm encouraging you when I sing. But, but there's something about, man, when we are singing together and I look over there at my brother and my sister and they are absolutely lost in the goodness of God and they're worshiping and they're singing their heart out. Man, that does something to me. It encourages me and it, it inspires thankfulness. And, and, and now it's, it's not just this horizontal relationship of them inspiring me and me hopefully inspiring them. But all of a sudden now I'm inspired with thankfulness to God. He moves on from that verse in verse 17. It says this, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God, the father. Here's what's awesome. He just got done talking about worshiping the Lord with songs, uh, singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs, uh, all that. And, and a lot of times you and I, we have this compartmentalized thought process of worship to God is songs and, and, and singing. And, and yes, that is an incredibly important and valid form of worship. But that's not the only way we honor God. He says, in all that you do. Whatever you do, in word and deed, you, you, can, you can honor God with your whole life. Whatever you do. Now, that, that whatever obviously has um, the boundaries of I can't sin, I can't, I can't do something uh, illegal, uh, something, something illegal to the word of God, sin to the glory of God. But, but whatever I do, uh, as, as, I'm, as I'm living my everyday life, as I'm raising my children, as I'm going to work, as I'm, as I'm doing a, a, a paper or a project, do it all into the glory of God. I had a football coach in college. My freshman year in college, we, we had an unusual circumstance where the coach that recruited me quit that summer. And we sort of made an emergency hire over the summer. And when the new coach, Coach Brigard, came in, he realized that um, the majority of the former coach's recruits had not been followed up on and the majority of us we're not eligible. So there were about 24 of us who were eligible. So we fielded a college football team with 24 um, mainly freshmen and sophomore athletes. So my coach discerned very quickly that this was probably not a season we were going to win a championship. We, we were not going to any kind of playoffs. We probably were not going to have a winning record. We were going to be lucky if we won more than two games. And he said, you know what? There's no need to pack it up right now. You've got a whole season ahead of you, and, and we might not win a single game. We've probably got a few on the schedule that we can win, but may, maybe not. But can I tell you, if we want to honor God, you can worship God on that football field, even if we're down 72 to 0. If you're still fighting every fight, dancing every dance, playing every play, and honoring God with you, it doesn't matter what the score is. To God, He finds worship in your diligence. He finds honor in your integrity. And when, when I say, I'm, I'm going to play football into the glory of God, whatever it is in your life, what, whether it is schoolwork, whether it is work work, whether it is family work, whether it is your, your ministry, do it all into the glory of God. He is always looking at it. It's not just the songs that I sing that honor him, but it's the life that I live as I do it unto him. Whatever you do in word, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God, the father. Giving thanks in everything. Not just giving thanks in good times. Now, obviously, we need to do that. We need to be thankful in those good times. Now, let's have some more of those good times. But we need to be in a posture of thankfulness 
always. Psalms 118 says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy is everlasting. Our thankfulness to God is not determined by our circumstance. Yes, good circumstances should inspire greater thankfulness, obviously. But my, my circumstance isn't what determines my thankfulness. It is his character and nature. Give thanks to, to the Lord, for he is good. This is who his nature is. This is what he is like. And we are going to give thanks to him because of that. For he is good, for his mercy is everlasting. He, he is going to be this way forever. His everlasting mercy refers to his grace, his mercy to us that is everlasting because it is connected to our covenant relationship with him. We, we give thanks to him because he is good and because he is good, he has everlasting mercy to us. And because he has everlasting mercy to us, we give thanks. Once you, as you guys uh, return home for Thanksgiving as those of you who stay here and celebrate Thanksgiving, those of you who gather with family or those of you who gather with friends. Don't let Thanksgiving just be that holiday that we sort of skip over on our way to Christmas. But don't let your Thanksgiving be relegated just to the holiday of Thanksgiving either. I want to encourage you guys to maintain the spiritual discipline of Thanksgiving, constantly giving thanks. Return to this passage in, in Colossians 3. I've got four questions for you guys to discuss with your groups. Number one, what correlation do you see between a lack of peace and a lack of thankfulness in your life? Question number two, why do we allow things other than the peace of Christ to rule in our heart? Question number three. Here's the one I warned you about. What do you think the implications are of Paul using the term richly to describe how we let the word of God dwell within us? And number four, this is one that we can kind of just go around and all of us answer. There's no wrong answer to this one. What is something you would like to express thankfulness for right now. Well, God bless you. Y'all have an amazing Thanksgiving. Eat an extra slice of turkey for me. And I, I can't wait to see those of you who are in town next week. And for those of you who are going home for break, God bless you. Have an amazing time with your family and love them well. And we'll see you in January. Let me pray for you real quick. God, we thank you for everyone who's watching this and listening to this today. We pray you release a spirit of thanksgiving within us. I pray for safety over them and their health and in their travels. And we pray that we'll have an amazing, amazing season. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and happy last sermon of House Church Sunday. <laughs> Today is the last message that I will be bringing to you while you are in House Church. And I hope that you have all had a great time being at home and having people in your homes or going to someone else's house to celebrate and just worship the Lord on Sunday mornings. But I am so excited to get to see all of you next week. 
Today we will be finishing out our series that we've been learning about living for God. So we learned about obeying God and we learned about walking in love. And today we are going to learn about celebrating. So we celebrate a lot of things and there's a lot of power in celebration. So when someone tells me a story about something that God has done, it gets me really excited. It also builds my faith in God. It helps me to know God can do all of these big things, these exciting things in people's lives. So we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate when people get married, when people move, when people have a baby. Um, and all of these things are so fun. And I know like when you leave a birthday party that you've been at, it is so exciting. And you're like, I had the best day of my life hanging out with my friends and playing games and celebrating my friend's birthday. But we should also celebrate when God does things or just celebrate who God is. So one of the biggest things that will ever happen to us in our life is when we decide to give our lives to Jesus. When we choose to follow him and he saves us from the hurts of this world and seals for us a place in eternity with God. And angels, the angels in heaven rejoice when someone is saved. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 15. And it says, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now if heaven rejoices when someone is saved, we should do the same thing. Now I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes on Sunday mornings, if you've been in church during the end of a service, when someone decides that they're going to give their life to Jesus and they come and they pray with Pastor Alvin and they say, God, I choose to follow you. Everybody in the room starts cheering and clapping because it's such an exciting moment. And I really think that just this small amount of us celebrating and cheering and clapping on earth is just like this minuscule picture of what it actually looks like in heaven when someone decides to follow God. They are probably up there cheering and screaming and singing and clapping and dancing because it is such a big moment. It's a really big deal to choose to follow God and serve him for the rest of your life. And so that is one of the things that we should be celebrating. In those moments, God moves in someone's heart. He changes them and he turns them toward the light, toward heaven, and says, you are my child and you're following me now and I will be with you for the rest of your days. And so when someone is saved, someone chooses to follow God, we should celebrate. We should also celebrate when God does miracles and big things on this earth. So the story of David and Goliath is one of those good examples. So David was a small boy, a young, young person, and he wanted to go fight Goliath, who was a giant. So these big men were coming after um, the Israelites, and 
Nobody else wanted to go fight this battle. Everybody was like, nope, I'm scared. That is too scary. It can never happen. And David said, I'll do it. I'll go fight. And everybody was like, you are way too young. You have no training. You can't even wear the armor to protect yourself because it's too heavy for you. And you have not used a sword. You don't know how to do any of this. But David said, no, I am going to go. And he was supported by God, obviously. So David walked up to Goliath, this huge man, way bigger than him, with a sling and a stone. And he pulled back on his slingshot and shot the stone at Goliath and defeated him. Now everybody else around him started celebrating with songs and they were singing and cheering and super excited because this was a huge victory. And there's no way that any of that could have happened if God wasn't involved. See, God moved in this situation and he saved the Israelites from danger. And then everybody was so excited and celebrated afterward. God still does big things like this on the earth. He still moves in exciting, crazy ways where he heals people. And even the moment where he brings people to him in salvation is a big deal that to celebrate. But when God moves, we should celebrate those movements. Psalm 145 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Bible tells us to celebrate who God is and then pass that on to more people. So our friends or our children when we have them. When you grow up and have kids one day after you get married and you can celebrate and pass on the celebration of who God is to them. We should get excited about all that God does, but that's not the only reason that we should celebrate him. We celebrate God because of who he is. God is the master and creator of this universe. He is our father in heaven. He sent his son to the earth to walk among us and to save all of us. He provides his spirit within us that fills us so that we have power to share his word and to continue to point people toward him. See, God is worthy of our celebration and our praise just because of who he is. Yes, we get excited and celebrate when he does all these things, but none of that is required for celebrating God. He should be celebrated even in the hard times when things aren't going the way that we want them to. He should be celebrated more at the top of the mountain, celebrating this huge moment and victory and the goodness of life. Because God is good always, no matter what is happening. God is always faithful and he is always present. He is with us at all times, no matter what's happening. And therefore he is worthy of our celebration of our praise. There are many things that we can celebrate when it comes to God. We can celebrate when he answers prayers, when he chooses to speak to us, and when he is present in our lives. See, God doesn't have to be with us. He doesn't have to talk to us. He doesn't have to respond to our prayers. But he chooses to because he loves us. He sees us. He sees us walking on this earth. And he chooses to speak. He chooses to answer prayers. He chooses to be beside us. 
And so we should celebrate that. We should be excited when he does things and when he talks to us because he doesn't have to and he just wants to do it because he wants to show love to us. Don't be afraid to celebrate what he says and what he does and how he moves in your life and in your heart. See, celebrating and remembering how he's spoken to us before helps us have the faith for the future. It helps us be able to look back at these moments and say, I was having a really hard time here, but God spoke and he moved and he provided me comfort and peace that only he is able to give. And so I have faith for the future that he will continue to do that because our God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And where he has been faithful before, he will continue to be faithful again in the future. And celebrating and writing down what he has done and remembering how he has spoken to us before helps us to be able to say, oh, well, he did this then, so I believe that he will do this now. There is so much power to remembering and to celebrating and to writing down the things that God speaks and does. And even when he tells us, in the future, I want this for you. I want you to do this. I'm calling you to be a missionary. If we write that down in a journal, like the ones that we've started for you at the church, and we remember that 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, when you're actually doing that, you can look back and say, when I was nine, my God told me that I was going to be doing this. And now it's happening. And that's cause for celebration. And it's so exciting. So my challenge this week, is there something that God has done or spoken to you that you need to celebrate? And if you do need to celebrate that he has spoken or that he has moved, I challenge you to do that this week. And also share it with other people. You can celebrate on your own, but I think that it would be really encouraging to others if you shared with them too. And then write it down or tell your parents to write it down or even ask them to tell me so I can put it in your journal that I have for you in the building at the church so that you can remember all of the things that God has spoken and done in your life. Because like I said, if you have it written down and can look back at it and remember all that he has done, it can help you in the future when things get tough. You can say, God did this, he spoke and he moved and he gave me comfort and peace then, so I know he will do it now because he doesn't change and he will be faithful for the rest of your life and the rest of the lives of everyone else who ever lives on this earth and all eternity, God will be faithful. So God, we thank you today for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that we are able to celebrate and rejoice when someone is saved. God, that we can celebrate when you do miracles and mighty things on this earth. Lord, but that we also can celebrate just because of who you are. Father, because you love us, because you created us. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you in celebration when you speak and when you move. And just when we realize that you have been walking with us, when you have made your presence known that we would celebrate. God, I thank you for all that you're doing. And I ask that we would see the things that are there to be celebrated and that we would choose to celebrate and we would choose to remember all that you have done so that in the future we can have faith that you will move again. In Jesus' name, amen.